0: Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: And good evening, one and all. This is The x one I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, Exon at ExxonRadioTV.com on all social media sites, exone Radio TV, And for the broadcast schedule of the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xedbn.net And for the Exxon TV channel on Simultv, Simultv.com. Exonation, Nation, my guest this hour is Dr. Robert Thiel, and we're going to be talking about prophecies this hour. Now, Dr. Thiel is licensed as a scientist by the state of Alabama. He is also a published scientist. Additionally, he has been a published author for over a decade on prophetic matters. Dr. Thiel has traveled the world and been to many places of prophetic interest. While he is a Christian, he also has expertise in many Hindu, Mayan, Muslim, Roman Catholic, and Chinese prophecies, which he has often been able to tie in with the biblical ones. He has an unparalleled success rate with his predictions. And uh, joining me now is Dr. Robert Thiel. And Dr. Bob, welcome back to the Exxon. How are you, sir?
2: Very fine, Rob. Thanks for having me back.
1: Um, how does a scientist, a licensed scientist, get into the world of prophecies?
2: <laughs> okay. After, no one's ever asked me that question. Um, well, I've always had interest in, in prophetic matters, mm-hmm. so that, I guess, so I guess you say personal interest. Sure. Uh, but it went back, probably uh, back in the uh, early 2000s. Uh, my wife and I were traveling, and one of the times we were over in Vatican City, and I was uh, looking at certain things there and uh, was equating certain things to some prophecies I heard, and I thought that perhaps I should do a bit more research. So that's basically how it started. And so because of that, I had, I'd heard of, for example, Roman Catholic prophecies. I was raised Roman Catholic. I'm mm-hmm. not Roman Catholic, but I was raised that way. And so I got some books on that. I got books on other prophecies and basically was fascinated, if I could use that particular term, sure. by how some of them were either the same or mirror images of one another. Let me explain what I mean by mirror images. The same would be, okay, let's say there's a, a, a Catholic and a Muslim prophecy that something is going to happen. And there actually is, by the way. <laughs> okay, we may even get to one of those. Okay, but sometimes, for example, there could be a biblical prophecy that people, let's talk about somebody that, let say, the Bible is bad. But then you could find a prophecy from, let's say, a Hindu prophecy or maybe a Catholic prophecy that seems to be talking about the same guy or gal at the same time, except they're making it sound like this person is good. That's what I mean by mirror image. They're prophecies almost identical, but uh, one group thinks this is a great thing, and the other, other people would say it's not such a good thing. And that's actually one of the things that you and I talked about when I was on uh, a long time ago, because I wrote a book that had various prophecies, like, for example, the ones you mentioned at the introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I've written books since, which include various prophecies, if I think they're applicable.
1: So how do prophe- I don't know if that
2: answered your question. Of how yeah. I got into it, but anyway, I got doing it that way. No, no sense, uh,
1: it was fine. It was fine. But how do prophecies work? How can anyone tell what's going to happen in the future?
2: Well, people of themselves, uh, unless they've got some analytical or inside information, which is why illegal traders in trading, <laughs> uh, the insider traders in illegal lot of countries, mm-hmm. ignoring something like that. Uh, if it's not based on something observable, for example, astronomy, you can look at the sky, and if you're great with astronomy, you know when a uh, an eclipse is supposed to happen. So We don't consider natural things like that to be prophecies. Okay, Those are predictions, but those are, are not prophecies. As far as prophecies go, you either believe in a supernatural or you don't. If you don't, then none of it makes any difference. It's all just luck and coincidence, and it doesn't matter. But if there is some kind of a supernatural or spirit world out there, and I believe there is, then people such as myself believe that uh, uh, a divine being or spirit beings have some insight that we don't have. Uh, For those who've looked, for example, at the Hebrew Bible, uh, in there, uh, in Isaiah, God says he knows the beginning from the end and he can tell you what's going to happen when it hasn't happened. Okay, if if people believe such a being can do that, which I do, uh, then when you start looking at the, the prophecies, uh, they make a bit more sense, and then, and then I think it, by looking at world events, you can also kind of align up what's going on with their, before they happen. I know a lot of people are critical, for example, of Nostradamus's prophecies. And they say, well, no one knows what they mean until after they've, they've happened. But with particular biblical ones, uh, I believe you can know before things are going to happen. And I believe we're in the process of seeing many being fulfilled right now.
1: But is it a matter of perception that you, as a believer, in not only the Bible, but also in the power of prophecy, is this the pareidolia effect where you're actually connecting dots that aren't necessarily there in order to have your belief come true?
2: Um, No, I—well— I guess it depends how you word it. I don't think I'm connecting dots that aren't there, but mm-hmm. let, let me give you a, uh, an example, probably, sure. probably one of the most specific ones that I've, I've wrote down. Back in 2009, I was working on a book related to uh, 2012 and the Mayan prophecies. Right. Uh, you and I talked about it a few times when I was mm-hmm. in the air back then. I explained why I did not think the world was going to end on December uh, 21st, 22nd, 2012, but I said, that doesn't mean there's not other things that are going to going to happen. One of the things that I wrote, now this was kind of, a, if you will, kind of connecting a dot and adding a dot that wasn't necessarily there. And this was kind of looking at uh, world events. And that was, I wrote back in May of 2009 that because there were some issues with the United States uh, GPS system, uh, global fishing satellite system that people use for driving and all that kind of stuff because there were some gaps there that the United States looked like it was going to have to rely on an upcoming European satellite system called Galileo. Now, when I wrote this, a spokesperson from the United States air force said, no, the United States does not have such a problem. And no, you don't, you know, you don't have to worry about this. Anybody who says this just doesn't know what they're talking Mm -hmm. about. Now I actually had read a report from the United States, uh, uh, uh general accounting office uh by the way and it thought that there was a problem they were looking at budgets and stuff and say look you got you, you know you got to do something now you may not recall this but i'm actually former i was former air force i was actually in the us air force uh, a long time ago for 40 so 40 years ago and so just because a us air force spokesperson denied something didn't mean that i accepted it <laughs> So, as it turns out, after I had the book published, uh, somebody, a general from the Strategic Air Command, which is also part of the United States Air Force, went out and admitted, yes, we do have a problem with our GPS system. Then the next summer, I think it was July 31st or so of 2010, uh, the Obama administration uh, released something that said, yes, we are going to use Europe's Galileo system for part of our military defense. Now, I based this, and this is where... There were some dots and some that were further along. I based this primarily on the fact of looking at biblical prophecies, what I thought was ultimately going to happen to Europe, a general time frame that I thought fit with other biblical prophecies, and the fact I was seeing something about this GPS thing. Now, you can read biblical prophecies, for example. You can read the Bible from the beginning to the end. You will not see one word whatsoever about the United States GPS or Europe's Galileo system, Okay. So I'm not saying that was there. But what was there was some information about a power in Europe rising up, being able to eventually take over the strongest military in the world and that the world would marvel because of this. Well, when I looked at Europe and the United States military at the time, I said, wait, this isn't possible because the United States couldn't be taken over by Europe. And I said, well, the only way it could happen would be with technology. And then that's kind of how it all fell into place in my mind. Now, as it turns out, Europe's Galileo system is supposed to go live next year, and originally, when it was proposed, uh, the United States and the UK were opposed to it because they thought it could be some kind of a strategic risk. But as it turns out, because of the Brexit vote, the the, uh, the European Union has told the UK they can't uh, they can use it, but not the military part. They're going to kind of keep it away from them. So that's, I guess, a little uh, broad. <laughs> I suppose the specific, but my specific deduction, if you will, from prophetic writings I read led me to that conclusion, and that's where I came up with that one.
1: All right, Dr. Bob, please stand by. We've got to take our first break. Induction, donation Dr. Bob Teal is our special guest. Um, let me see. His website is, just a sec, I just had it, www.cogwriter.com. That's www.cogwriter.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, here in the Exxon. A place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And um, these are strange times. I'll be back. Don't go away. welcome back everyone dr bob teal is our special guest uh, www.cogwriter.com is is being someone who deals in prophecy like being a psychic
2: um not not exactly uh, psychics generally speaking uh, believe that they've received a particular specific message from generally some kind of a supernatural source beyond, like in my situation I'm uh, claiming that I believe the Bible, I think God's Spirit leads me to understand certain things mm-hmm. as opposed to I got a particular message out and gotcha. now, I have had a couple of dreams, but they're not mm-hmm. and, and uh, a few things where I've said that I believe that I got divinely inspired if you will, for some stuff sure. but it, it's not things that would be considered earth-shattering uh, For example, I'll give you one personal example uh, back in 2008, I was speaking with somebody over the telephone, and I mm-hmm. told them if a particular person that he and I worked with uh, wouldn't keep his word on certain things, I thought some bad things might happen uh, uh, shortly. And it turns out he didn't tell this person this thing. And then uh, about I think four or five weeks afterwards, this person got hit with a type of stroke. And interestingly, a couple of years later, I wanted to talk to this person about some issue with his wife, and said that she would be affected by something in a few weeks, and it ended up happening as well. Um, I guess a psychic might feel like that. Uh, but for me, that, that happened like a couple of times. And because the results happened, then I tend to accept that uh, somehow I was led by God to do it. But I, it wasn't like I, I heard a voice or anything. Some psychics, I think, hear voices, or they they have other methods that they use in order to come up with things. Mine is predominantly mm-hmm. based on what I see in Scripture, and what's going on in the world. Uh, they kind of trying to put the two together, as well as considering other prophecies that others have written, because sometimes uh, it's, it's interesting. Years ago, if I could say this story, around the time, the first time I think it was on your show, I had done a radio interview out of uh, Sacramento, California, and the hostess uh, had, talked to, had read my book in 2012, and basically said, you know, you're talking about the antichrist and the beast and false prophet and all this stuff. Everybody knows about all this kind of stuff. So they're all going to know when it's going to happen. And this is where I want to get into the other prophecies right now for just a moment. Sure. I said, I said, well, I, I said, I've looked at other prophecies and I think you're wrong. And basically what I said to her is I said, the Chinese have prophecies about a beautiful person coming from, beautiful people coming from the West. And it, China is going to have a saint, but the saint's not that good of a person. I said, well, west of China would be Europe. And Chinese don't really have saints because the country is still somewhat officially atheist. And I said, I think this is a prophecy that was written by in the Tang Dynasty, so somewhere around 800 A.D., plus or minus, that's telling them to accept this type of a leader when it comes up. And then I, I said, so you got a billion and a half or so Chinese. I said, then there's Hindu prophecies. The Hindus have prophecies about a leader rising up called uh, the Bhagwan Kalki. And they say that people need to take up arms to support this guy. And I said, well, there's about a billion Hindus. But then I said, then the Roman Catholics...
0: Progressive Western presents West. Forest Metaphors, about bundling your home and auto.
2: about some leader that's going to rise up, destroy the English-speaking peoples, by the way, and basically take over the world for a short period of time. And I said, well, this, you know, if you had the Catholics and the Orthodox together, it is over a billion and a half. I said, start adding all these up. There's a lot of people out there who are affiliated with, with traditions yeah. or religions that are going to tell them something that I think is bad is going to be good. And so when such a thing happens, they're not going to understand it. And so this is one of the reasons I was really fascinated uh, uh, a long time ago when I started reading you know, non-biblical prophecies and see how they tied or were sometimes, as I said, the mere image of biblical ones.
1: But how many how many prophecies are actually just a, a coincidence instead of a reality or, or a prediction?
2: Um. A lot of things, uh, a lot of them, a lot of things can be coincidental. Yeah, I, I've read stuff about coincidence. And mm-hmm. for example, if you're going to flip a coin, uh, how many times you get heads in a row? If somebody's doing this long enough, they're, they'll end up with a run of like 40 or 20 times you get heads in a row, which you think could never happen. But for this particular convergence, for example, the one I was mentioning before, about a leader rising up and billions of people. According to their their, like not the biblical, but their their traditions or religions, think this is good, and the Bible warns against it. And the Bible says such a leader will deceive the whole world. Uh, I don't think that's the coincidence. Now, I don't believe that leader, by the way, has taken power yet. Okay, so it's not like that that's happened. Is this so the anti? The, is this the antichrist? Uh, is, he will work with the antichrist. Yes.
1: Okay. So, do we have so, any idea? Anyways, do we have any idea who this person is?
2: Um, I've got some guesses, but I'm not certain. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny you should mention that one to me because when uh, I was listening to you say something when you were closing the last segment about getting an opportunity to be heard, uh, let me let me tell you a story that I think you'll find fascinating. Please. A few years ago, this is probably let's say quite a few years ago. Probably, I think it was uh, December of 2010 a magazine, I won't mention which one, a very famous magazine from Germany called me up. And I had written about a particular leader who held certain positions in Germany. He had been the uh, economics minister and became the uh, defense minister. And he ended up resigning because of a plagiarism scandal. And so this German magazine calls me up. They had a New York correspondent. This gal calls me up, and she calls me three or four times because they couldn't believe that an American could have possibly been writing about this guy before he had his uh, scandal. They, she figured, they figured that, well, once he had his scandal, yeah, you'd know about this guy, and okay, so maybe wrote about mm-hmm. him. And as it turns out, I started writing about this guy in 2009, and about four or five things that I said could be involved with this guy actually happened. It, and by the time she called me, maybe it was five or six. anyway, to make a long story short, I gave her links to articles. now back then, I actually was a a partially paid journalist part time for uh, 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 some company uh, I can't remember the name of the begin with some type of an examiner i was I was with them for a while and I also had some things at the cogwriter website that you mentioned, but I wanted her to look at the ones at the examiner to to show that I didn't change these later, okay? <laughs> okay, I submitted these. I actually got paid for these articles. And so she looked at them, and she looked at what I wrote, and she asked me lots of questions. And they ended up not doing anything. And she said to me, we just can't believe that was possible. I said, yeah, but I gave you every proof that you asked for and more. She says, yeah, I know. But she says, I asked. I talked to my editors, and they're like, no, this can't have happened, <laughs> So anyway, I do appreciate the opportunity that you're giving me to at least explain uh, some of these things sure. that I believe will happen. How so do, currently, how, yes, I'm looking at somebody in, in Germany, but I'm not sure mm-hmm. yet, and I'll keep watching. Okay, if but I what get more what certain? I'll be even more happy to go into that.
1: What tuned you into this person that you wrote about uh, that the German magazine was very interested in? What was it that happened that you said, "Hmm, this so person here"? Two
2: things. Um, Since you're in Canada, and by the way, I haven't been in your country for about two months. (laughs) I was in uh, Quebec recently. But it was actually an article in an Ottawa paper, Mm -hmm. newspaper. And the writer indicated that this person, uh, they thought, had uh, potential. So this was in uh, late 2009. And then what happened was, Somebody that I know who travels the world a lot basically said to me, "You want to look in this why don't you look into this guy a bit more? I think there's something, something with this guy." And so I started to look into him because of the two reasons. One, an article that was in it was actually in the Ottawa Citizen, December twenty fourth, two thousand nine. I'm looking right here. I'm seeing it. And then this other man who I'd known for probably ten years uh, told me to look into this guy. Mm-hmm. So I started to look into him, and then I, I mentioned before, I, I, I acquired various books on different prophecies. Well, I found a book that was not available on, like, Amazon. It was some independent publisher, really small, some woman who moved from Greece to the United States, and she had this book on Greek prophecies, so Byzantine prophecies. And I started, I had her book. And she translated parts of it in English because I can read Greek, but not that well. <laughs> not real well, let's just say. And I saw many of the things that she wrote seemed to point to this particular individual. Then I telephoned her, by the way. And she had somebody else in mind. She thought it was some Spanish guy that this was talking about. And I didn't, I didn't agree, but I was, she was an elderly lady, and I was polite to her, and she gave me her responses. But I started looking at uh, what that book said. And various biblical prophecies, and said, well, it could be this individual, and right now I'm just waiting. Uh, for example, uh, before this individual uh, had his plagiarism scandal, I had indicated that I thought if he could be the person, he was going to be uh, someone's going to dispute his reputation. He was, he was going to have a problem. Dr. Bob, we've problem. got to
1: take a hold here. I've got to go for my news break at the bottom of the hour, and Dexter Nation. When we come back, more with my guest this hour, Dr. Bob Teal. If you'd like to find out more about Bob, visit his website, www.cograder.com. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and we'll both be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news. Don't go away. Bob Teal is our special guest this hour, www.cogwriter.com. Dr. Bob, one of the books you've written is entitled, um, I just had it here in front of me, Donald Trump and America's Apocalypse. Is Donald Trump apocalyptic?
2: In my opinion, certainly. But I also thought if, for example, Hillary would have gotten and she would have been, but specifically, yes. Um, I actually wrote a book, and in that book that was printed, uh, Before he was inaugurated, Mm -hmm. I I listed 20 reasons that I felt that uh, U.S. President Donald Trump would be apocalyptic, and as it's turned out, pretty much everything that I said was going to happen has happened.
1: (laughs) Okay, what were those? What were those points, if you can give us the top five?
2: Okay, uh, well, well, let me. This one wasn't really necessarily a top five, but uh, I want to say this one anyway, and that was that uh, he would increase U.S. debt. And the reason I want to use this one first was I did a show, and I was interviewed by somebody who was actually a delegate to the Republican convention. He had his own radio show in one of the southern U.S. states. And this is so many months after Donald Trump had gotten in office, and he said, well, I was wrong about that one. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> and so as it turns out we're over 20 – the United States is now over $23 trillion in debt, and we were under $20 trillion in debt when he took, took office. So that was – That was one. It may not be a top five one, but it was one that I thought Mm -hmm. was funny, particularly because uh, somebody told me, no, he he wasn't going to do that particular one. Uh, I guess one of the ones would have to do with, for example, that I felt that he would uh, offend the Europeans and get the Europeans to be interested in developing their own uh, separate military. So that was something my book uh, talked about. And specifically, in case your listeners are not aware of this, Okay, Donald Trump took office in January of 2017. Mm-hmm. In December of 2017, by using Donald Trump as a motivation or a scapegoat, whichever term you prefer, uh, the Europeans came up with a system called PESCO, uh, which is Permanent Structured Cooperation, is what that means, where 25 of the nations in the EU decided to get together for uh, an, an intra-European uh, military power. And what's so wrong, with on, on what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? That's so a great idea. The reason was because of Donald Trump.
1: So what's wrong with that?
2: Well, I'll say something that Donald Trump said that is logical mm-hmm. and makes sense, and I'll explain why what, what what's wrong with it. Okay. Now, if you don't think there's anything to prophecy, there's nothing necessarily wrong with it. Okay. Donald Trump is absolutely correct when he said that. The United States spends more for NATO than all the other countries put together times two. That's it might true. be close to times three. Sure. It was one hundred percent if you look at what they sp- people spend on their military. Mm-hmm. But there's another expression you might be familiar with, which is "Be careful what you wish for." Yeah. See, the belief is, oh well, once we get the Europeans to uh, buck up on defense, and by the way, I read something today that apparently. Uh, Canada and the United States have some issue about that as well, but we'll, we'll ignore Canada for, for this purpose, which I consider a closer ally to the United States or a real ally to the United States than I do the European.
1: Well, you see, Canada doesn't charge the United States for the air spa- uh, the Air Force bases and the military bases that American troops are on, so I think that Donald Trump was a little bit out of line when he made that statement to Prime Minister Trudeau. Now, if the U.S. wants to pay Canada rent, then I can understand... Uh, President Trump's position on that. After all, if everyone else is paying 2%, why shouldn't Canada?
2: Right. Well, anyway, getting back to this, Mm -hmm. what's happened is because of statements Donald Trump has made regarding NATO, uh, plus the the 2% thing, he's encouraging the Europeans to go their own way. If you read some of the statements that some of them made, the most famously probably would be France's President Macron. He's called for a European army, says it's got to be independent of the United States. And even uh, German Chancellor Angela Merkel has called for the Europeans to have a military power that will function independent of the United States. It isn't that they're saying they should not have NATO, but they want to have their own military power that's separate from the United States.
1: What's wrong with that?
2: well what's wrong with that isn't that there's anything necessarily wrong with it unless you believe biblical prophecy points to at some point in time Europe getting a great army mm-hmm. and eliminating the United States. In the book of Daniel, chapter eleven, in my opinion, that's what it says. All right. What what, actually, what what does it
1: actually what does it actually say? I'd like to hear what the Bible says.
2: Okay. Well there's two different parts of this. Okay. Uh, so I'm gonna go to Daniel chapter eleven. Sure. And I'll just look at it here because i'll read it verbatim mm-hmm. okay in daniel chapter 11 verse 25 it says he now i'm going to tell you that he is a person who's called the king of the north other parts of this particular prophecy okay he shall stir up his power and courage against the king of the south with a great army so that's a prophecy about this power having a great army now i don't believe the europeans have a great army yet but for that prophecy to be fulfilled they have to get one okay Okay, so the fact that we're hearing talks about a European army, mm-hmm. in my opinion, align with that. Now, the, the other one, though, and this one's interesting, I'm going to read Daniel 11, verse 39. This is from the New King James Version of the Bible. And what's interesting about this is actually the first or second radio interview I ever did on a book, I was asked by a former Baptist who was then Muslim, there's any prophecies in the Bible that point to the United States, people say there are. He says, that I haven't heard any. So what came to mind was the next one I'm going to read, which, and I'll explain why I believe it's in the United States. Okay, the same leader, he's called the King of the North, says, "...thus he shall act against the strongest fortresses with a foreign god, which he shall acknowledge, and advance his glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many and divide the land for gain." Well, okay, what does this mean? Well, the he is this European leader called the King of the North. Uh, It would take a long time to explain why this is a European leader, but that's basically what this is. Right Now, the strongest fortresses, now this is going to take some interpretation. If this is a prophecy for the 21st century, Mm -hmm. and I believe that it is, okay, I can explain why later, but I believe that it is, well, the strongest fortresses would be the country with the strongest military. And it happens to be that the strongest military is possessed by the United States of America. And to a lesser degree, it's uh, Anglo-Saxon allies. So I believe this is a specific prophecy about the United States to be taken over.
1: But it, isn't, that, isn't that a stretch? Because how, how long ago was this prophecy written?
2: 2,620 years ago, plus right. or minus.
1: All right, the United States wasn't even formed. It wasn't even That's thought right. of. So, and, 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 and yet, and yet... History shows that there was a lot of turmoil within these areas in Europe and, and uh, you know, the northern Africa, the Holy Lands. Like, they, these people have been fighting since day one. You had the Crusades, just to mention a few, and then you had the invading forces. So, looking at the time of history that this was written, I can understand that. But putting it, applying it to the 21st century, I think that's a real stretch.
2: Well, let me give you a couple of reasons why it's not, I don't believe it's a real stretch. Okay. okay. Because I was trying not to read everything here. here the next verse talks about something happening at the time of the end, and in verse 29 it says at the appointed time of the end. So people such as myself believe that the time of the end is very close, and I'll explain why in just a moment. Therefore, we do not believe this was a prophecy that was fulfilled in, let's say, 168 A.D., which is what Wikipedia says, by the way. I actually looked at Wikipedia today. They don't believe this was written when it said. They believe that Daniel wrote this after these events happened, and they say this has all been fulfilled. Okay, that was Wikipedia's take on it when I looked at it earlier today. Okay. Well, people like myself, when we see the time of the end, uh, disagree. Uh, there's, uh, There's other passages in Hebrew Scriptures talking about the time of the end. Now... According to a tradition that is assigned to the school of the prophet Elijah, uh, Jews anciently and early Christians believed that God had essentially a 6,000-year plan. Essentially 6,000 years after Adam and Eve left the Garden of Eden, the end would come. Jesus would return, or God would return or come, and set up a millennial paradise that was basically the belief of course the jews who weren't christian didn't believe jesus was going to come but this was the basic belief and i've got articles and details on how you calculate all that stuff well if you look at all of this stuff basically you're coming up to a time period somewhere in the 2020s or the latest 2030s therefore that would be the time of the end and so forth the time of the end who's got the strongest fortresses well United States unless something happens in the next couple of years.
1: But once again, all all I'm seeing here is a a stretch. Like, what is the proof? You know, it's nice to say, based on what I believe, what is the proof, the empirical proof?
2: Well, I don't know if you would consider it empirical proof, but I would say that the fact that the Europeans are openly talking about having a military independent of the United States, developing their own army, yeah. spending time on their development of their own technology. Mm-hmm. I believe that is ancillary support for the fact that this is in the process of happening. But that's nothing it's not new. Germany yet, and I don't think, it, it, and it's, it's not going to happen in the next couple of years either. They're not. Right. They're not ready.
1: Okay, but, but look, our, uh, during World War ahead. II, Italy had its own army, France had its own army, Germany had its own army. Like, they didn't depend on the United States. The United, States, the United States went into World War II and Correct. fought with these other armies. So yeah. I, I, I can't buy into that prophecy.
2: Okay, well, again, this prophecy says it's for the time of the end, and those of us who believe that God has a 6,000-year plan, which, again, would take too long to go through. All right, listen, we take,
1: we've got to take our final break, so please stand by. When we come back, I, I, I have a few more questions on this, because I find, no it, I, I find it rather rather argumentative, because what you're telling me is based on belief, belief in a philosophical book that isn't universally accepted. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Bob Teal is our special guest. His website is cogwriter.com. All right, here, here's where I have the problem with this entire end-of-the-world scenario that is in the Bible. If these prophecies were written that they can pinpoint exact places and times, that's one thing. I don't, let's put that aside for now. But these, the Bible is just one book Of many religious philosophies. So how can we take everything that is in the Bible as fact if there are other religions out there who don't believe in what is in the Bible and they don't even mention what is in the Bible in their religious philosophies. Now if this was real would the events not be mentioned in all of the religious philosophy books?
2: Well, according to the Bible, it would be no.
1: But that's according to the Bible. But what about I, the people? I,
2: I, I know. I, I, okay, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. How. I'm trying to answer your questions one one part at a time. Okay,
1: here. I appreciate that.
2: Okay. I believe, and again, you're going to call it belief again. Mm-hmm. I believe that I've I've proven scripture to be accurate. Now, other people could look at the same facts and come up to uh, their own different conclusions, and I I understand and accept that that could happen, because it does happen all the time. Sure. Okay. So, people such as myself believe the Bible. Let me me give give you another example. I wrote a book called Proof Jesus is the Messiah. It came Mm -hmm. out several months ago. Okay. And in it, I cite a couple hundred Hebrew prophecies that the New Testament says that Jesus fulfilled. Now, a lot of people will look at that kind of thing and say, that's nonsense. The Gospel writers intentionally just wrote these things down to to make it look like Jesus fulfilled that. So that is an explanation. Now, I don't agree with that explanation, but that is an explanation. Mm -hmm. And that explanation itself would seem reasonable, except when you also look at, for example, prophecies that Jesus made that were fulfilled outside of the Bible, and I've not seen something like that or I'm unaware of something like that let's say with uh, the Quran uh, or some other some of the other religious books that you mm-hmm. you might you might be familiar with. So I personally believe that I've been able to prove the Bible. The Bible actually says prove all things the hold fast what is good. A lot of people don't believe they're supposed to prove anything. They just think it's just simply blind faith. And, well, isn't uh, it, blind, it is, go ahead.
1: isn't the fact that you kept You have kept on saying, I believe, and then you'd go on to making your point. So isn't the fact that you believe that the word of the Bible is true, doesn't that come to the point that you believe unequivocally? Uh,
2: The answer I think is yes, although I'm not sure what you're
1: actually asking. It's very simple, all right. Let me put it as simple as I can. We know the first four books of the Bible were written by Moses. God did not write any part of the, of the, of the Bible. It was all written by man. Yes. We, okay? I, uh, yes. Okay, and according to the Bible and those who believe, there's only one God. Am I correct? Yes. Then why does it say in the very first, cha- in the very first book, Genesis, and God said, let us Make man in our image. Why was the plural used?
2: Okay, I'd be happy to answer that question. Okay. Okay, when we believe in one God, we, mm-hmm. actually, we actually hold what's considered a binitarian view of the Godhead. We believe God is one family, okay, which consisting of, uh, right now, the Father, the Son, or
1: if you. And the Holy Spirit.
2: Will, no, we don't consider the Holy Spirit to be God. We are not, we are but not Trinitarian.
1: But, is it, but isn't it part of the God's family, if you're putting that context into the us and we?
2: We do not—we consider that the Holy Spirit is the power of God. It was uh, not determined mm-hmm. by the Greco-Romans to be uh, a for sure member of the Godhead. It the Council of Constantinople in 381 A.D.,
1: and there's, no, you know, there, there's a there's another thing, you know, the different councils, the Council of Nicaea, for example, when the, when all these changes were made, how, you know, if this is the true word of God, why would these words be changed? What was taken okay. out? What was edited? We don't
2: know. Okay, well, well, with the particular council, according to even Catholic scholars, mm-hmm. people of my religious persuasion were not invited to that particular council, and the decisions they made, we, we don't hold to them. Okay, for example, at the Council of Nicaea, one of the biggest issues was changing the date of Passover from the 14th of Nisan to mm-hmm. Sunday. We still keep the 14th of Nisan, so we didn't accept that the Council had authority from God to change anything. If that answers your question on that.
1: <laughs> well, yes yes and no. You know, yes and no. Because I, I, my personal interpretation of the Bible, and I've read the Bible extensively, is that it is a book that fulfilled an emptiness in the evolution of man at that time. You know, it gave you the Ten Commandments, which are ten basic laws. Laws that we still enforce today. The fact that Moses wrote the first four books, God didn't. That opens up a a, a whole... A whole nest egg uh, of, of questions. You know, did Moses make a lot of this up? How do we know it really happened? Wait a minute, we know what happened because we believe it did. And then when you look at God Himself, like, are you? Are, are, do you have any children, Bob? Yes. I have six children. I have twelve grandchildren. And I am sure, like me, you would never harm a hair on their heads. And yet, this God, the creator, who created all according to the Bible, he goes out and kills his own children merciless. You know, you've got the Sodom and Gomorrah that was destroyed. You've got the Egyptians that were destroyed chasing Moses. And the yeah, list the goes you know and the list goes on and on and on. Now, if God was a person and God did this. He would be arrested, thrown in jail, and the key would be thrown out. My question to many scholars and believers is, how can he get away with this? How can you follow a God who kills, who breaks his own laws? That's why I do not give the Bible the credit that so many do, because it contradicts itself constantly. You know, it's. Um, I, can I answer how it do you at least? Yeah, sure, go ahead.
2: Okay, I don't believe the Bible contradicts itself. Um, I also believe. Wait a
1: sec. Thou shalt not kill. Sodom, Gomorrah.
2: He, he didn't say he, didn't say he couldn't kill. But why should the Bible he? Bible actually says God, because was, because God was the creator and the so, Bible a couple of places say, say something to the effect the piece of pottery doesn't say to the pottery maker why did you do this or why did you do this
1: <laughs>
2: so wait a people minute oh, wait a minute
1: so what you're saying is just because god created us he could kill us
2: i believe that everything god does
1: is that a yes or god is that is love. that a yes or is that is that a yes or is that a no
2: Gamora, that you mentioned jesus actually said it would be more tolerable for those people in the uh, uh, resurrect, in the ages to come, mm-hmm. than the people who were not paying attention to what he said. Thus, the Bible is teaching, essentially, that God had those people eliminated for their own good. Oh. They will come up later, and I believe that they will therefore actually get salvation. That's a whole other subject. But our, our Church is a little different than ones you're probably thinking of or familiar with. We actually believe almost everybody who ever lived will be saved. And, be, and this is one of the reasons why God had certain people killed at certain times or whatever, because it would be better for them in the long run, believe it or not.
1: So See, why wouldn't parent,
2: that— ab- You and I look at our kids and say, okay, if we, well, we obviously wouldn't kill our children, but we can't resurrect them, but God can.
1: How do we know God that? That's them. a beautiful story. That is a wonderful story. But there's no fact to substantiate the belief.
2: Well, I do think there's fact to substantiate the belief. Uh, there's, I think, sufficient evidence, for example, that Jesus was resurrected. Uh, where? Where's the
1: evidence? Yeah.
2: There were many eyewitnesses. Many eyewitnesses were willing to die because of this. Well, wait a
1: minute, but where is the evidence? That is hearsay.
2: What kind of evidence do you want for what happened uh, roughly 2,000 years ago? But what what, for you, would constitute evidence?
1: Well, first of all, I, I don't believe everything I'm told. Number one. Number so in two. Today's
2: society, you better not believe everything you're told. It, it, A lot it, of people it, don't tell you the truth.
1: Exactly, including the church. You know, I know. I, I know. God, uh, Jesus said, "Suffer little children to come unto me, for thine will be the kingdom of heaven." And, and it seems that many priests and members of the clergy have taken that to the extreme. So come on. I think that the book was written for a time way before we actually knew what the truth about the world was, the truth about life was, the truth about science. And it was a way to try and make sense of how we were, how we were formed, where we came from, where we're going to go, what happens to us when we die. And Bob, I'd love to carry this conversation on, but you and I must say so long for tonight. And Exonation, if you would like more information about our guest of this hour, Dr. Bob Teal, visit his website at www.cogwriter.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly Rob McConnell from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. And I know there's many of you out there thinking right now that I'm going to hell when I die. Hey, listen, you're not the first person who will think that and you won't be the last.